He's blonde and bitchin'. She's sporty and sassy. Together, they're perfectly imperfect. It's Jesse and Jenna's messy podcast. Cheers! <laughs> well, beach season is around the corner, and if you're anything like on, everybody wait. else, as you start that and say beach season, I literally take a glass, Kate, chug a wine. You cannot let me get through one of these intros without interrupting me. I know, I know. Go ahead. Oh my god! <laughs> chug your wine. I'm going to start again, but we're going to leave this in so people know what an interrupter you are. <clears throat> Beach season is around the corner. <laughs> See, it doesn't feel as good the second time. If you're anything like everybody else in the world right now, you've gotten a little squishier over the past year. So joining us today to help us and you get back on track is Jenna's real life personal trainer, Kia Kadem. A bit about Kia, he's a weight loss expert, personal trainer, and nutrition coach based in Toronto, but obviously you don't have to be there to work with him, uh, just ask Jenna. Kia uses evidence-based fitness and nutrition coaching with the relentless accountability you need to get the results you've always wanted. Since 2009, Kia's been helping people everywhere lose weight, get lean, and feel proud and confident in their bodies. That's what we're talking about. Woo! Kia! What's up? Can I just say, I love that you use the term relentless accountability, because I think a lot of the time people underestimate the damage a whole cake could do or a slice of pizza or the little things that add up, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, And yeah, the the thing about the accountability is just uh, I have had I've had um, I've had my coaches in the past and I still do to this point. And the first coach that I had, I like I think. I guess the second one that I had the accountability that, that was such a played such a big factor for me. And I was like, shit, like that was such a big difference from the first time that I had like someone actually help me out. And I just wanted to pass that on to people, but um, hopefully it's not a scary term. I'm not like really calling you every single day. Jenna probably knows. I'm not. Well, Jenna, you tell us Jenna. Well, when you, so when I first signed up with you and we first talked, accountability was a big thing for me too. I have, you know, an athletic background. So I always had people holding me accountable for showing up at practices, doing my training. Like it was definitely a have to do, but now that we've been, I mean, and we've been working together for how long now? Like four, four months, five months. I, five. I yeah. yeah. It, to me now, it's not necessarily accountability. It's more like coaching and partnership someone to kind of go through it with you without judgment where you're not competing against them because you know a lot of people like to pair up with friends and go okay we're going to do this together we're going to the gym but then it does become a little bit of a competition and you know it's just a different level of accountability I guess but now it's more of a mentorship in a sense a guidance thing and that's what you needed is someone to coach you and guide you not someone to hold you accountable necessarily I guess they're kind of the same thing. I'm glad you see it that way because I always, I always, <laughs> I guess, tell people I'm like, I'm like on the first call. I don't know if you remember, but I, I don't know if I told you, but I always try to get yeah, people to see us as partners of like day one, not like me above them, like being like, hey, you got to do this. Okay. Like, I'm not going to tell you what to do because that's not actually coaching at the end of the day. Like, telling isn't really coaching, um, but actually, you know, talking and finding what's going to work and talking things over. And finding a solution that like both sounds good to, for both people, like that's where where the coaching is versus just telling someone to do something. We're a year into the pandemic too, and that's when you became more of an online coach, right? Kind of how was, you pivoted. Yeah, I was always doing a little bit. 
I never had time to actually put into taking more clients online. I was busy like at, at the gym, 30, 40 hours, just, uh, you know, the typical, I don't know if, I mean, I don't know if you ever had a trainer before. I mean, in, in person, did you ever have one? Jesse, Jenna, you guys ever have one? I have. Yeah. For a short, short time. I had like trainers with school and stuff, you know, so with- like, you, like if you ever talked to your trainers, you'd know like their days were like 5 AM to like 8 PM every day with like little shit, like kind of a shift in between, you know, where you go home and nap and you eat because everyone goes before work to train with their coaches or, cl- or trainers. And then they come back in the evening. Like there's not as few people that go in the midday. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I was doing before. And then having a little bit of time midday to work with some online clients, but now it's all, it's all online. Now, when the pandemic first launched, what people had their own health concerns. Um, a lot of them were worried because those that were extremely active, like Jesse's a great example of this. If he doesn't go to the gym, it throws him off completely. Well, I get puffy. Right. But it just throws off your whole life completely. So there was those diehard gym people who all of a sudden had something taken away from them. And then there was also like kind of some people that were like, well, right now is a good time to work on yourself because I am home more often. How have the issues with your clients changed from the beginning of the pandemic to now one year later? Um, oh, I, there are people like, I guess in a good way, all these people that I, they, that weren't really like enjoying exercise as much before. I think it's been crazy. I'm just so proud of like, everyone that, and not just my clients, but like everybody that I'm seeing, like working out more at home. I think they, everyone realized not just for my clients, but everyone else, how important like actual movement and physical activity is now because we were confined to our like out or homes and, like, and it's doable yeah and then they were like okay hey, like okay i gotta do something and then oh this exercise thing isn't actually that bad i actually feel a little bit better with it oh cool well and you know what a connection there that we we don't talk about enough is the mental health connection with physical and this past year has been so stressful so i think what to your point a lot of people are realizing the mental benefits they yeah. get from it well and the mental benefits that you get from having a coach like kia because he had to reprogram my way of how i thought about working out because I had been, and even though I haven't played spurts for so many years, I still had it in my mind, run till you puke, work out till you can't walk. And that's not a way that you're not going to be able to maintain that. Right. Yeah. And then there was, yeah, exactly. There were some people like yourself who were like pro athletes before, or people who like loved going to orange theory or, um, you know, F45, like crushing, like doing crushing workouts. And then they're like, okay, like I can't get as intense for a workout at home. And, and then you're like, okay, like you don't even have to do that to begin with to get the results that you want. Like 99% of people don't need to do as much as they thought they need to do. So, yeah, oh, well, I, well, we got to unpack that. I don't know if we should wait. But it's I've, true, but you don't know it until you try it. 100%. That's the thing. Well, let's dive in right there because I am a self-proclaimed cardio queen, Kia. My whole life, I it took me, I mean, it was only like two years ago where took, I really started with the weight. It took me weight. like a solid year of telling him, get off the cardio machine. Yeah, do weights. And so as soon as I did, of course, I see my body change. And even now that I'm very dedicated to fitness, I still love my cardio. But what I was telling Jenna earlier today is I finally like started to let go of the cardio a little bit. And I think that I'm seeing some body fat reduction. And so I'm like, like, oh my God, could too much cardio be actually bad for you? And this is what you were just saying about, you know, sometimes less is more. So what's the truth with that? Oh, with the cardio question? Um, yeah. Yeah. So the thing with cardio is that it's awesome. It's amazing. Like so good for so many reasons. Like, like we don't have like health, like all the health benefits, like 
lower blood blood pressure, better um, blood profile, better mental health, like more endorphins, like feeling better, lung capacity, heart health, all those things, right? Burning calories, great. But if you want to like look your best, and if that's like what you want to do, you want to like, like me, like I like to, you know, I like my medium Uniqlo t-shirts, like all my t-shirts are from Uniqlo. Like right now, it's not fitting me as good as I want. Like I want, I want it to be slightly tight all the time, you know, just slightly between medium and large. I don't know, your arms are looking pretty good to me. <laughs> you want to show them a little yeah. bit, but not give away all the yeah. goodies at the same time. <laughs> but like, if, if, if that's what you want, like you want to like actually like shape your body, strength training burns calories too. You can also train in a way with strength training with, with weights where, you know, you can like circ- do circuits or like complexes where you have like dumbbells, for example, a complex is like, an ex- a sequence of exercises that use one piece of equipment. So a dumbbell complex would be four exercises that use a dumbbell. And you do that in a way that, you know, you're still getting that cardio effect as well. <laughs> so you could still do that with weights and you're getting a little bit of strength training in there as well, which is, which is great. So you're still burning calories. You're still getting some cardio benefits there. You're strengthening your muscles and your joints and you're getting all the other benefits that I talked about, like, you know, mental, uh, mental health benefits, you know, the cognitive benefits, endorphins and all that stuff. But what the, the difference is that the stress that you're putting on your muscles in terms of the weight that you're lifting sends a signal to the brain, especially as you're losing fat that, Hey, like you want, you want you want, or, or you want to like, we're losing weight here. Okay. Like take fat. See, I'm, I'm, I'm getting used here. Right. So like, don't take me right now. Cause I'm obviously being used and I'm, I'm needed. And so it's kind of sends that signal to the brain that either you retain it. If you're like in, depending on how far you are in your training journey, like in the first year or two, you can actually build muscle as you lose fat, which is amazing. Like it's just this phenomenon that happens as you're eating less and you're burning fat, you can still build muscle. But if you're past that, then what the, the biggest factor is that it'll help you with retaining. So maybe what you saw was, you know, you weren't doing it consistently before you were, you, t- you, you were doing their cardio still, it sounds like. Um, but then you added that, that uh, strength training element in, and then you start to build some muscle. And so you saw more definition. Yeah, sure. Like, you may have burned more fat. Maybe you were more active there, but also your muscle to fat ratio also got better too. You, you built some muscle. Maybe your fat percentage didn't even actually change. Um, like you didn't lose more fat maybe, but your muscle. Gain muscle. muscle met, yeah. So you and look more defined. Exactly. So is, the, is there any truth to too much cardio could hurt your gains for lack of a better term? Yeah. So cardio, like, like we're talking like, endurance training like someone training for a marathon for example like you know even like running every single day and they want to get big well there's there's two competing demands in the body the strength training you like you're sending a signal to the, the body hey we need more muscle to lift this when you're doing lots of endurance training you're saying hey like we want to be as efficient or sorry uh, economically economical as possible to use as, as little amount of energy as possible while we're running or swimming or biking, for example. And this only becomes too much when it's literally like, when it's more than, you know, I'd say two to four hours a week, if you're trying to build muscle as well, then there'd be kind of competing demands. But one literally is better if you have less muscle on you because you're going to be more efficient at, you know, your endurance activity. But one is going to be more helpful if you have more. So that's where they're competing demands. But yeah, you could, it could become too much if it's affecting your recovery if it's taking away from the time that you want to put into you know, building muscle. And also for a lot of like guys, especially um, 
women, I mean, not as much because guys are like, oh, I want to get big. You don't hear that much from women. But then there's these like hard gainer guys like that are typically hard gainers who are like the skinny guys like I was like when I was younger, but I was never eating enough. But I was playing all these sports. So what happens is like that, that cardio can become too much because you're trying to, you're actually eating, you're having less energy left over for muscle building purposes because you're burning so much energy through the, the cardio effect as well. So you're in essence, your body holds on to the fat thinking I might need this as fuel because you do. Well, is it kind of like how starvation works with food? If you don't eat enough food, your body goes into starvation mode. No, no. It's like, so, okay. So that never actually happens. Both of those things. The starvation uh-huh. mode thing is a myth, by the way. Oh, um, yeah. well, enlighten us. Um, so you can, so what he's saying, Jen, is you can starve and lose weight. <laughs> this is an effective tool. <laughs> but you, won't, you wouldn't be able to gain muscle if you're starving yourself. You're not going to be able to gain muscle. No, for sure. No, but that, but yeah, like if, if, like, sure, if you're doing too much, too much cardio, too much, as I said, like you have to define what too much is. If too much is impacting your, rec- your recovery and it's taking away from your strength training and it's, and you're not, you're not actually able to stay, like if you're burning a lot of calories through exercise, then you're not actually having enough energy left, calories left over for building and repairing muscle, right? That's when it becomes too much. Uh-huh. And if that's what you're doing over time, then you're going to be losing body fat. And if you're under eating and you know, you're doing a lot of cardio, then guess what? You're not having actually a signal that we get from strength training to say, Hey, let's retain this muscle now. So you're going to be losing muscle as well. And that's where that skinny fat look kind of comes from is right. you know, you're burning, you're, you're burning muscle and fat. So is there like a general rule of thumb for what you consider a good amount of cardio for someone to do within a week? I mean, on our program, I think it's like three 20 minute. Yeah, that's, I mean, so you want to start with the least amount that gets you the most benefits. So minimal effective dose. So if it's just for fat loss purposes, then you always start with the least amount. Um, And, you know, for most people, an hour a week is, is, is great to start off with. And then, so that's, that's we, we, like, it's three twenty minutes, three times 20 for Jenna, let's get this an hour. And then if, you know, you need wow. to do more based on being, you know, if you have a very sedentary job, if you do, if you, you know, if you want to be able to, you know, not to, not to say that, you know, exercise is going to be, give you that free pass to eat as much as you want. But if you want to have more, you want to have more food, then yeah, you can actually up that exercise so that you don't have to cut your calories back as much if you're in a fat loss phase. Because food is 90% of this battle. Fat loss for sure. And yeah, muscle gain. A hundred percent is. And when we first met, you set my calorie count daily was quite low, but because of the amount of protein, and this is what I found so interesting. So you said things like ignore carbs ignore like everything focus on calories and protein and by doing that I actually ended up having to eat a lot more than I normally did because I was eating more in like greens and fruits and stuff like that and and that was really hard was actually the amount I needed to eat to achieve that low calorie goal which for me, I will say it, I'm transparent, my 1500 uh, calorie goal target while still achieving that massive amount of protein. Like I could not eat anything. What was your protein goal? 35 or 135? Well, yeah, I can't, I can't remember what, but. Grams of protein, I believe. Yeah, that sounds about right. So anywhere between 0.7 grams per pound of body weight to about one pound per, per gram of body weight is, is what you want to shoot for. 
But because on the lower end there, because eating is such a huge part of it. The one thing, and again, like the benefits of getting an online, even an online trainer like you is that, you know, I was doing the calorie tracking thing for a while. And all of a sudden you're like, you know, you, you've fallen off. You're going back and forth between you and your boyfriend's house. Like, let's try something totally different. And now this, the nutrition plan, if you want to call it that you put me on, which is simply like fill a bracket with protein, fill a bracket with veggies is works so much better. So you're able to pivot with your clients, which is so important because not diets and like calorie, like they're not always meant for everyone. hundred percent. Yeah. So that's why it's nice to have someone like you that can help them pivot halfway through their goals and being like, okay, maybe this isn't working as much. Let's try something new. Um, so then as a trainer, Kia, how do you figure out particularly online what's going to work for one person and what's going to work for the other? Because is it true that carbs, for instance, are not created equal? Like they may affect one person more than another, or is that not yeah. true? No, that's true. I mean, and, and, and in terms of, you know, how they make you feel, for example, like I have one client that can just eat copious amounts and he feels better with them. Let's I kill him. <laughs> um, but, he, but he's a, uh, yeah. He's Carbs put me to sleep. Well, yeah, exactly. Same thing. Same with me. Like I need like a more moderate amount too low and I'll feel tired. And if I have too much at lunchtime, for example, I'll feel tired. So that's when you have to, you know, know yourself and you know, that's what we have that we have check-ins for and, you know, letting me know how you feel. Cause then we can adjust that. But then you start off with, you know, first the starting point is let's start with what most people respond well with everything is a starting point when you start off with like, like there's no way for us to know what the best starting point is sorry we can make the estimated guess you know okay we're in the circle somewhere here and then as the weeks go on we just focus that circle down a bit more to get you know more precise with with what works and what people prefer which raises another very important point and that is you need it needs you need to be willing to give it time 100%. And, you know, sometimes people think that investing in someone like you is expensive. But since you, I have been able to pull my gym membership because I have everything I need to work out at my house or at my boyfriend's house. That's great. And also, like, when you think about it long term, the amount that you pay in gym memberships and fees. Um, so when it comes to investing in fitness like what do you suggest for people is it worth it like should everyone be investing in their fitness um based on you know and I'm, i'll just tell you like the people who i have conversations with you know both in like maybe the dms or you know people wanting to maybe emails or just consults and stuff people who generally come to me have tried a bunch of different things before and the amount that they'll end up spending on, they haven't spent money on coaching, like having an actual like coach. They've spent a lot of like programs and, you know, like very, very cheap programs that are very cookie cutter. For example, like I'm not saying cheap is bad by any means, but I'm saying like cheap because like, it's been like, Hey, download this program and buy it for $20. And, and you know, you can't adjust it to yourself or, and all those things. And that's, that's what I'm saying. But they've done so many of that without the accountability piece, without the support when they need it. That over time, they've probably spent in terms of time, effort, and disappointment, and you know, frustration. By the time that they actually invest in a coach, they probably spent near that amount or more. So, you know, I always just think of it as tutoring. Like, um, I always use this example. Like, I read so many self-help help self-help books since since I was eighteen or sixteen. I don't know. And you know, they were good. But then, like, when I started going to like you know an actual like 
like like a therapist that I found that was good. Like that was like the next level. Like I was like, holy shit, I'm going to focus like tutor session. Like, like all these books were good. This $20 book was great. But like, I considered that like a coach for my brain. And, you know, it's, it's the same thing with anything else that you want, like a business coach, for example, you can read all these books and stuff, but when it's, when it's actually applied and you, when you know how to apply these things to your life and like how to adjust it for your life, you invest in it for a few months, then all those other books and programs afterwards make a lot more sense and you can apply them a lot better because you, you just know how the principles work. We, yeah, and we invest in all these other aspects of our life. Like shit, how much money have I spent on my hair? And our lashes. Like, right? And we invest in our financial stability. Well, what's the point in investing financially if you're not alive and healthy to enjoy it? So when it comes to things like investing in your health, like investing in mental health, it always gets put on the back burner. I know. I'm glad you said that because that's part of what I mentioned when I brought up mental health is this idea that fitness is not related to every other part of our lives. How good your skin looks, how good your hair looks, everything, how well you sleep. And so I don't know why uh, Western society put that on the back burner. Thankfully, now it seems more people are coming around to it again because we're so sick of sitting at home. But <laughs> Are you seeing people's ideas change towards being healthy now that we're a year in the pandemic do you think it's done better because everyone talks about these pandemic pounds and this (laughs) and that like freshman 15 all over again type of stuff but at the same time I know a large amount of people that have actually started working out at home and finding ways because they were forced to because they're like okay at the beginning it was lockdown where we can't go out so now I have to find a way to be active right and to me so I've seen it change a lot of people's lives have you seen it more negatively or positively been definitely more positive in some aspects um you know the clients who weren't as active before who i started with like you are maybe an anomaly in the sense that you know like a lot of people who loved the gym aspect like they were like like they've kind of maybe most of them have been really frustrated with just working out at home maybe that's been and maybe not doing as much as they wanted to but i think on the other side of things especially like um you know, how, so many people that weren't active before I know, like have gone things like a Peloton, for example, and they're like loving that, you know, uh, which is great. So I think it's been good for, I think net, net positive effect for sure. You know why people love Peloton? Because it comes with a coach. <laughs> and yeah. Good music. <laughs> and good music. I mean, and Jenna's not only an anomaly because she likes exercise, but she also broke her leg in the middle of your relationship. And uh, Kia's done a great job modifying your workouts, right? Which is another great reason to have a coach is that the, and, and you have modified things for me. Like when I went home for Christmas and had to change my, because I didn't have access to the equipment I had before and stuff. And that's, again, I can't stress and, it took me a long time to like invest into someone like you and, you know, but I can't stress how great it is to have someone who's able, because sometimes when things change in your life, you use that pivot as an excuse to not work out. Oh, I just so busy changing cities or I was so busy on vacation for, a, or at home for a month and a half back in Vancouver, but you don't give like by having you there, you're always like, okay, pivot. Like, you know, as soon as I, pivot! Exactly. Great as soon as I hurt my leg, I said, this might be a long one. And boom, next day in the app that he provides you, I had a seated, fully seated workout ready to go. So that's like, the, to me, that's one of the big benefits. And I feel like I'm being super, um, 
like addy to you. No, you said it's right? But I am being honest. Yeah. You know, I, I we, you, said you said it's a partnership from the beginning. So that's what I said. Like it's like teamwork, right? So yeah. The website is Kia Kadem Fitness. And uh, <laughs> yeah. So okay, I have a couple food questions for you. Uh, we mentioned carbs, how they affect people differently, but when it comes to fat loss, are calories created equal? Now I'm not talking about healthy, what'll keep yeah. you from getting sick, but just fat loss. So could I lose weight eating just cake all day? as long as I stay in my calorie potions. Ah. Yeah. yeah, you could definitely. You could definitely eat Big Macs all day and lose lose weight for sure. It wouldn't be the easiest way to do it because <clears throat> when it comes to, okay, calories are just a measure, a measure of um, a, a unit of measurement. So yes, calorie, a calorie is a calorie, but the ca- for, we could get more nutrients and those nutrients or that calorie could have different effect on our, you know, hormone and uh, sorry, hunger hormones and our satiety hormones. So for example, protein uh, signals this hormone called PYY in our, in our stomach that, that, that signals fullness, that signals satiety. You know, it doesn't, the other, the other, if we're eating like the same amount of fat or carbs, for example, we're not going to get, we're going to get those calories in. Sure. It's going to also fill up our stomach, but we're not going to get as much of a pronounced effect on those hormones to signal fullness. And can I just stop you right there? Because I experienced that firsthand when I discovered protein shakes, which I also have a question about. I was like, well, this is a shake. It's not going to fill me up. And I had it with a meal and I'd never felt so full and so sick in my life. Like I had just stuffed myself and I didn't eat that much, but it's because of how much protein was in my shake, giving me that, that full feeling. So hundred percent, that's true. So yes, although you could, so as a, you know, for, for weight loss or, or, I mean, Fat loss leads to weight loss. So, I mean, most, most people listening probably, if you want to lose weight, they probably will lose fat, not just lose like a limb or lose muscle. <laughs> Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I don't, I don't, I don't recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> but if uh, one of the two things that you really want to control are, you know, your three things, I guess your hunger, your cravings, and, you know, your, your mood, for example, and, and your energy. So if you're only eating cake, for example, sure, you can lose weight but you're going to be hungry pretty soon after having that cake. Cause there's very little protein in it. Um, your energy is probably going to go up and down because you know, there's just a lot of sugar just hitting you at once and burning pretty quick. Um, not going to really do much for satiety and cravings and hunger long-term. And I mean, again, for you, we just talked like me and Jenna don't feel that good on carbs. Like, so our, our mood and energy is going to be pretty bad too. So if those things are out of whack, like they're not, they're not, optimized then you know this process just becomes harder than it is but yes you could technically eat anything i think sorry i think there's a big connection people need to make between satiety is that the word to use great word satiation satiety there's a there's a connection people need to make between other nutrients than just calories because i think a lot of people read calories and think oh this has x amount of calories it's going to fill me up but that's not always the case so one that's 100 true um you know, like that's the first step. So I took this from another coach, very true to a very large extent, but the, the amount of energy that you take in, the amount of calories will, uh, will determine your body weight. So just your weight overall. But your weight. Know. You want like this weight. Wait, like I just, like, <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. I, I didn't mean that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but your the composition of what you were just saying, like the types of calories. So if it's like mainly fats or carbs or proteins, that will determine your body composition. So when you, when Jenna was at the, at, at some point in the earlier, she said, yeah, I told her to like to focus on calories and protein. It's because, you know, if two people are eating the same amount of calories, 
the different, the, the, if they're, sorry, if two people are eating or trying to lose fat, the things that will determine how their body will look or how, how, how the results they get will be based on their calories and their protein. So if their protein and calorie are matched, if one is eating more carbs, less fat, the other one is eating less fat and more carbs, well, they'll get the same results at the end of the day. But one will feel okay doing that and the other will be starving all the time. Well, no. So like someone like my, 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 my client that I said who can eat a lot of carbs, he can have a lower fat diet and just eat more carbs. But as long as he's eating the same amount of protein as I see. double gang are eating the same amount of protein and calories. Those two things can be up and down. However, however, however you want. So the, the number one thing is going to be the calories for sure. Cause even if you have the b- best amount of nutrients coming in, you know, if you're eating organic grass fed bison from, I don't know where and mm-hmm. whole foods, like all the whole foods, vegetables, even if you're eating too many of those calories, you're still not going to look and look the way that you want because you, you're not going to be losing fat in the way that you want. If you're not eating the right amount of calories again. So it's, you know, I, because I was watching what I was like eating and stuff, it really, you really start to not want to waste your calories on things that aren't going to keep you full after a while. That's no, that's not wasting it though. Here's a, so no, it's not Kia. I will say one of the best things he did right away was fit in how I can still drink wine (laughs) and be okay. And I was like, that's really important to me. (laughs) No, you got to do that. So. There was this book called, um, it's on finance, by the way. Like, I wish I read it when I was 20. It's called, I will teach you to be rich, but it's all about like saving, like really like budgeting and saving. Like it's like about getting rich slow. Like it's the opposite of what the title is. And the way that that goes, like it it applies a lot to, you know, eating nutrition as well, because what you do is you figure out how much money you've got coming in and how much you're spending on fixed expenses. uh, And, you know, there anything else that you want to spend money on that you need to and then you have this like fun money amount so after you've in, have a little bit invested and have, have amount saved up whatever is left over go buy that i don't know the friggin' fidget spinner if you want like go buy God. you know a random thing buy, to like, yeah like buy like whatever people think is wasting your money on because he's like like screw this thing where people are like you know, don't buy like a latte or have avocado toast because that like like if you want to have it go have it but make sure like at least like that's you have that amount allotted for right so for everyone else too it's like when it comes to nutrition like make sure that you're you know you got you got to see how much you're expending energy wise how much calories you've got to work with make sure you're filling up your nutrients you're eating enough fruit and vegetables and all that stuff if you got that stuff down that 80 percent of that is whole foods and you know quote-unquote good foods that we hear of 20 percent of it eat what like the funnest foods that you want so that you know like have wine have but make sure that stuff is like really good though like I'm not going to have like bad tasting wine. If I taste it, like, I'm not going to finish it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if well, we bad, I'm not going to finish We don't waste anything but, over here. But what if it's gone? You know what I'm <laughs> but is alcohol, Kia, in the same category as junk food like cake? Clearly, I want cake. Um, because I have always heard that alcohol like prevents your body from burning fat because it's poison. So it sends you into this sort of like freak out zone. Is that true? So. What happens with uh, alcohol when we drink it is that it is such an easy fuel for the body to use that it will use burn that off first versus going to our body's stores of, of fat, for example. So, ah. so that's one of the things. That's a, that's what, I mean, that, that, that is how it blunts fat loss. But, um, but if you're in a calorie deficit, you can obviously still work it in, which is but the, main, the biggest issue with that is 
you know, it, it, it really comes down to if you're eating, if you're drinking low to moderate amounts of alcohol, it has a, has a big, Sorry, hold on. What's a low to moderate amount of, I'm actually curious. We were talking about this earlier because, you know, like sometimes you go to the doctors and they're like, well, how often are you a heavy drinker? How often do you drink? Now we only drink one night a week, but maybe it's a lot, but it's a lot. <laughs> okay. So what is light to moderate drinking? So I'm saying like in one, one, when one session, I guess. So, um, you know, where I guess it's all relative to everyone else. What, like maybe for me, it's like a glass or two. Like I'll definitely feel like I'm getting pretty hungry if I have that amount, you know, it usually gives me a little bit of munchies. Mm-hmm. Anything more than that, like, like whatever it's been, anything more than moderate amount of drinking apparently doesn't have as much of an effect on making you hungry, but you're getting more calories in. And sugar. The drug. Yeah, so you're, exactly. You're getting the, you know, the drawback. But the biggest effect on the downside with drinking is you got to watch out. Is it going to make you have more like fuck it moments? Like where you're like, ah, yeah. you know what? I'll have that slice of pizza. I'll start again tomorrow. Because it lowers your inhibition to like, stick to the things that you wanted to stick to. That's the biggest like. Um, well, and there's the booze blues and the hangover <laughs> exactly. munchies where you try to exactly. eat your hangover away. And then you miss your workout the next day, yeah. you know, and then you sleep worse and you have more cravings because you didn't sleep well last night. It's just. And if you're over the age of 30, you're on a two day hangover. hundred yeah, <laughs> percent. Okay. What about intermittent fasting? This has been thrown around a lot over the past few years. What is it? And is there any merit to it? For, I mean, it's start to talk about fat loss and weight loss purposes. Yes. It's super helpful. Um, not because. Wow. Not because, you know, be, not because your body goes into fat burning mode or anything like that. You know, it, I mean, anything that everything gets sensationalized when it comes to this stuff, because that's what sells, you know, like I'm just like, you, like they'll write an entire book about intermittent fasting and how it helps with fat loss. But at the end of the day, it could be, could be summarized to one sentence. And that is that it limits your eating window and it gives you rules. So if you are someone that works really well with rules, like, and you like, like rules that, Hey, I'm not going to eat, bet- after, I'm not going to eat before 12, for example. And I'm not going to eat after eight. And that works for you. Like that's, you like that kind of, that's good because it limits snacking, for example, or that mindless snacking for the first few hours you're awake. And then after, after dinner, for example. So it helps to control calorie intake a lot. If you're on a lower calorie diet and that's relative again, but you know, if you have 12 to 1500 calories to eat, it might be more enjoyable to have that in an eight or 10 hour, 12 hour period versus an 18 hour period where you wake up at six and you have something and then you've finished all your calories by 6 p.m. and you're, and you're still still up by 11, 11 p.m. still. So Yeah, I well, do find it easier to, to starve in the first place. I was going to say, I think some <laughs> human beings naturally just eat that way. Yeah. For example, when we used to work in the morning show, we were up at like, I was up at 3, 3.30 in the morning. We're at work. We didn't get work done till like 10 at one point. Mm-hmm. And then there was like a couple hours after, you're not really hungry. You're, you're jacked up on caffeine at that point, <laughs> you know? So like, you don't really eat until, well, dinner at three of 30 in the afternoon is when we were eating yeah but you know you just kind of naturally eat that way i find and i i i naturally eat that way i don't find myself hungry until 10 in the morning and it's yeah so and and for anyone that like doesn't you know wants to try it like it takes you know if you went if you started eating at 7 a.m for three four days in a row the fifth day if you don't eat at seven, you're going to feel hungry because your body's kind of used to releasing certain you know, juices to right. help with the digestion of the food. It's like it's getting prepared. Mm-hmm. It's on a little bit of a rhythm there. So 
if you don't do that again, if you eat like 7 a.m. and people are like, oh my God, I can't eat. If I, if I don't eat at seven, I'm going to like die. Well, don't just try it for a couple of days if you want to do it. By the third or fourth day, like you're, you're not going to be as hungry at that point. Or you right. might not even be hungry again. I've seen people do intermittent fasting and it just did not vibe with them. They felt so sick all day, getting a headache before noon hit, blah, blah, blah. So if someone's thinking about it, what are, what are some signs that they're like the right person. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're like to be like, take this quick quiz to see if intermittent fasting (laughs) is right for you. What are some, you know, if you're like, I don't know how to, I think you just have to, it's trial and error. That's my guess. What his answer is going to be is everybody's different. You have to just try it. Yeah. And you know, uh, first thing, you know, it's not, it it might increase anxiety in some people if it's depending on a shorter time, time, uh, span for, most women around, I mean, no less than 10 hours is usually what feels best, like no less than 10 hour eating window. So maybe that's 12 to, sorry, 12 to 10 or 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., for example. Uh, most common pattern is 8-16. So you're, you know, that's the 16-8 or whatever. You fast for 16 hours. You're sleeping for eight hours of it anyway. You wake up, you know, don't eat anything for three hours. And then after dinner, you uh, you sleep after and ten hour, uh, three hours after you go to bed or after dinner, you go to bed. Ah, you don't have to start with, yeah. No, you don't start with what? Go ahead. Sorry, I'm getting excited. Okay, yeah, you don't have, yeah. So, you know, you'll see like 16, 8, like a book, like books and articles, just like, on, this is the way that you got to do it. You don't necessarily need to. It's all written in stone that you need to do that. You could start with 12 hours. I know a lot, of, I personally do 12 hours most days. So I eat from like 8 a.m. to 7, 6 or 7 or 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., depending on when I wake up. If I wake up at 5, I'm going to be hungrier by 7 38. <clears throat> so you don't have to, you can do 12, 10, eight, whatever works for you. Are, now, wait, are those the only options? This is where I was going was because I'm a nighttime snacker, you know, little things I may smoke before bed don't help with that, but I, <laughs> I like to snack at night. And so is it true that if you snack right before you go to bed, that's instantly going to turn to fat? No. Uh, think of it this way. Like if you got, if you ate at 7 PM here or 10 PM here, it's nighttime, right? And you flew to Vancouver and it's 7 p.m. and it's still late, but you get there at 9 p.m. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you're, like your body doesn't just be like, oh, okay, nope, we're not turning that into fat. Uh, ah. like, your body doesn't work on the same time zone. Well, and because remember, there was always that old adage where it's like, yeah, oh, can't eat before you go to bed or after 8 p.m. because it'll make you chubby. Yeah, or you'll have nightmares, my mom used to say. Yeah. But no, at the end of the day, it all comes down to the, the energy balance for the 24 hour period. So that 24 hour period is constantly going. You know, it doesn't start, it makes sure, it, it makes it easier for us to think, mentally think, okay, from 12 a.m. to 12 a.m. the next day, that's how much I've eaten. But it could also start from 9 p.m. to 9 p.m. the next day, you know? Right, it's just the 12 hours, pick Cells your are clock. constantly working, breaking down, repairing, like things <laughs> are going on, your heart's beating. You know, all these things are going on. You're resting even, like. Yes, you're breathing. Um, so at, you know, the most helpful thing for people is like, you know, yes, Sure, that doesn't actually, one of the reasons, eating after 8 p.m. doesn't actually make you fat. But for most people, that's when a lot of that eating happens. So that rule helped them. So it's like, oh, shit, you know what? Don't eat after 8. And the choices you make after 8, you mentioned this, are not always the best, right? When you have the munchies, it's chips, cookies, chocolate. I mean, you're not going for a salad at 9 p.m. At least I'm not. Yeah, um, and there is... There is some debate on if there's like willpower is finite or if it's not. Um, most commonly, you'll, you'll hear that you know you have a 
finite amount of willpower or it's a depleting resource. And that, you know, at nighttime, because we've made so many decisions by the end of the day, um, we're, we're a little think, bit more tired. Yeah. As Yeah. So that is also, you know, it's a lot harder for us to stick to the thing, the, the thing that we want to stick to. So having parameters in place, setting up your environment for success. So if it is like, so if you do like get munchies and you do smoke at night or anytime, really like making sure that you have pre-planned what you're going to snack on. So like, okay, like I've allotted, you know, three, 400 calories of this. And that's like in that cupboard there. And that's all I'm going to have. And the rest of it is, you know, and that's, that's what I've kind of put away. So you're not having like a bag. <laughs> Good luck with oh, that there and yeah. his peanut butter cups. Oh no. Well, I'm going to have to keep him at my house under lock and key. Lately, Here's your three today, Jesse, and ration like, him. It's peanut butter, period. I'll sit there with a spoon. <laughs> I was eating that peanut butter. butter. But he doesn't eat the natural kind. No, I don't. But even the... <laughs> Even the unnatural, because the calories are the same. The calories are like, it actually natural sometimes worse with calories. Taste-wise though, like, oh my God, you can't beat natural. All right, but listen, I didn't realize as I'm sitting here eating my peanut butter like soup that it's like 100, 200 calories per tablespoon. And he says by soup because he microwaves. <laughs> I told you I was stoned when I engage in this behavior. You gotta live life a little bit. Yeah, microwaving. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, he's gonna try it tonight. You. But watch. that's the best thing is you never took anything away from me. And one of the first things you said is you're like, this isn't a diet. This isn't this. It's this is something that you can sustain far after we work together. This is a lifestyle change, and a lot of people need to approach it that way. I think instead of like, how can I do and maintain this level of health? consistently until I'm dying not do this and then it's over and I can go back to exactly it. Yeah. like these crash diets or 30-day ab challenges like I saw someone do a 30-day challenge and then the next month they were eating a box of Mavericks donuts and I'm like what, the, <laughs> what you everything you've worked and worked on is completely and it's because you didn't enjoy that those 30 days and yeah it needs to be manageable it needs to fit in with your lifestyle at your current age I had to realize I'm not an 18-year-old semi-pro athlete anymore. I am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like all those things are, are great learning processes and it's hard to learn that kind of stuff on your own. Yeah. So when you have someone who's a coach like you, it's really great because you point those things out. I, I always remember you saying like, Jenna, you're not training for high performance <laughs> yeah. like you're not gonna go and play nationals like you're just trying to feel good look good and make sure your old injuries don't make you into a more of a cripple than i am right now <laughs> no yeah. no uh, okay wait okay two more food questions because i'm obviously got food issues um Salt and sugar. We all hear about sugar. It turns right to fat unless you burn it off right away. Is that, I'm trying to get to salt. It's not true. Okay, well, uh, let me just finish it. I'm waiting for your question. To finish. I know I'm very long winded. I'm sorry. And then the other thing is, this is the one that blew my mind is recently chatting with a trainer at my gym was that salt is actually so important for muscle building. Cause I was always, cause salt, I mentioned being puffy, you know, it's the wine I know, but you know, salt doesn't help. So I always try to stay away from salt when really salt is not as evil as sugar. Talk about salt and sugar. 
Anyway, um, both are not evil, and they're really good people. And <laughs> wow, thanks. Yeah, I mean, sugar isn't as bad, as bad as they, you know, as bad as people make it out to be. Thank God. Um, can we? I mean, <laughs> do you want some more sugar, it, Jenna? Why is it like? I mean, I mean, if we're gonna talk about, you know, anything, I mean, I know we're, we're drinking wine, and I, I have, you know, my wine rack over there. Thank God. And I, I love wine, but you know. Like the amount of effort and amount of like books and energy we're spending on sugar when we could spend it on the thing that literally kills people and which is alcohol, you know, like, like, right. Like, You're saying like, there's worse things out there. Yeah, for Like, why are we going sugar, like sugar free challenges and sugar free diets? Like, well, like, a, why don't we ever like, you don't hear of like alcohol, you don't hear here as many alcohol free lifestyles or like diets. Other than like dry always, like, February or yeah, whatever. Always for a little bit. And then it's like, I'm going to go back to binge drinking again and enjoying it. And, and it's always any meeting that you go to, it's alcohol, the drinking alcohol, any little social, any Zoom meeting, any, any like anything that's social related or any work related always has to have alcohol around it. But then you put a cupcake there. Oh my God, what the hell? <laughs> like, you know, but at the end of the day, I just everything, you know, all the carbs that we eat and their symptoms form break down and what our bodies and, and muscles use is sugar at the end of the day. They don't use quinoa. They don't use, you know, uh, sweet potato. It all breaks down into its simplest form. And then it, our body uses sugar in a pathway to, to build energy. And our brain, for example, uses glucose. And our blood, there is there's a reason why it's called blood sugar. We need an amount of blood sugar in there. Like it's all these things are important. Are, and salt. Salt is like the basis of our cellular membrane. I will add that it's interesting when you said that for high performance, because when I was playing soccer in Alabama and we were doing preseason like August, so it's like 150 degrees with like 200% humidity at halftime, they actually gave us salt pills. And a lot of the football players on the sidelines would drink pickle juice. Oh, that's good for a hangover. To like really help. Cause it's just electrolytes, right? It's no different than drinking Gatorade. Actually Gatorade made the little salt pills. I called them my magical pills. Cause as soon as you went on the sidelines, took one of those and drank like a liter of water, all of a sudden it was like, whoa, I felt like in Mario or it's like, woo, 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 like you ate, you <laughs> ate the mushroom or something. And, you know, and it was incredible, but those things were very, very important. And if you didn't have them, you could cramp. And I had one friend who ended up in the hospital with a full body cramp. Do you know how brutal that would have been? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, in terms for your, um, for your question about like muscle building. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, if you don't have, it's like, you can get cramps if you're under eating salt, for example, you know, you're not going to be able to train as hard. So, you know, you don't want to obviously have too much of it, you know, that, and that's why, you know, mo- if you're, e- if you're eating healthy foods at home and you're adding a little bit of salt here and there, you're probably fine. But if you're always eating out, you're always ordering in from and you're always having salty snacks and that might be too much at that point you know that might have some negative effects everything the dose is in the you know sorry the poison is in the dose um you know if you give if a diabetic is on a on a a diet that provides too much sugar that's going to be dangerous for them you know uh it's it's it depends on the person if someone is very active then they can definitely eat way more of it they definitely need to if someone's about to pass out we need to give them sugar like you're not going to be like hey uh put this quinoa in your mouth (laughs) (laughs) you know i love that the poison is in the dose that's a really interesting uh phrase the poison's in the dose definitely stolen well um before we let you go one thing i want to leave with because i think this is the greatest part is uh we were doing like group meetings and a lot of things came up when it comes to cravings especially with women i mean there's certain times in our cycle where we crave 
certain things that maybe necessarily like me, chocolate. I don't eat chocolate any other time of the month or year, except for that, like one two day window. Um, but you have a lot of great little things you can do to overcome your craving oh. cravings. So please, what are like three of your top tips and tricks to do to help overcome your craving? Number one, uh, are we talking talk about like the menstrual cycle specifically or just no just in general like yeah you said menstrual like I mentioned menstrual cycle yeah. too but you just have advice for people who generally just have a craving anytime yeah. you know Jesse with his peanut butter like and chocolate my sweet tooth is out of control right uh, so number one thing is uh, the more that you restrict and you put foods off limits the more that you're going to crave them and want them so um, anytime that you think that you're cheating or that you're being good by not having a certain food item you're probably just making it harder on yourself because, um, hey guys, don't think of a pink elephant right now. Pardon? So don't think of a pink elephant right now. Are you talking about me? <laughs> I'm wearing a pink elephant. Well, right now, you probably just thought, like, like you probably <laughs> can't control it, right? I said, don't think of it. And it's the same thing. Like, we're like, okay, like, I'm not going to think of that food that I have there, you know, until the end of the week. Um, so the, 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 the less you make it like a big deal to have the food that you want to have or the, the, be- the way better for in terms of creating the more you normalize it that it's around you um that's the first thing uh foods like make sure that you're getting enough sleep lack of sleep uh, i know it's like over i know it's a cliche but certainly does mess with your hunger and craving hormones or sorry hunger hormones the next day and you will have more cravings for uh, higher calorie foods because if your energy is low the body knows that it needs to get high calorie foods and it's a learned like response right hence your hangover yeah, exactly. Uh, and definitely like a, um, a, a diet rich in like fluid intakes and, and protein can certainly help with that as well. Honestly, whenever I get like munchy feeling, I'm like, do I need to drink water? And I'll drink water first. And I'm like, I was really dehydrated. I wasn't hungry. And dehydration and hunger are similar feelings. Oh, yeah, that's they're very like, yeah, they they both. um yeah, you can, people definitely do mistake but both. So it's really important. Like, like if you do get a craving for something, make sure it's a craving and not hunger. Like, like drink water, see if you still want it. Um, you could definitely just do like do like five squats, literally do five jumping jacks or something active, and you'll just getting your blood uh, blood flow going, just your heart rate up just a little bit, can also reduce your cravings. Oh yeah, have you ever gone to the gym like hungry as hell, and then all of a sudden you're not hungry anymore? Uh, yeah. So like cleaning your house, even like, I mean, right now you can't go to the gym, you know, just get up and clean your house. Like the cravings will go away. Can't do that either, Kia. <laughs> you can right now. Yes. But you can, you know, <laughs> you can, you can like scoot around in your roller chair and like, I don't have a roller chair. <laughs> oh my God. Going up and down the stairs is enough of a oh, workout. That was a big workout. Okay. Speaking of workout, I know we have to wrap this up, but I have a burning question that's been bothering me at the gym because sometimes I'll see these guys, Kia, that are jacked, right? Huge muscle guys. And then they're doing the tiniest little weights, like 10 pounds reps. And I'm like, what is the secret here? I want to look like you, but I'm like killing myself just to get to 10, you know, because I want to grow. So what is it with these jacked guys doing light weights? You might be catching them at the end of their workout. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool down. <laughs> not, not a cool down, but generally what you want to do, you start off with, you know, at the beginning of the beginning of the workout, that's when you're fresher. You're going to be using the heavier weights for the lower reps. And then there is some, there is some theory behind the fact that, you know, higher reps and getting that pump that bodybuilders chase 
that burning sensation, that, that, that pump, that, that stress, that swelling can impact, can benef benefit hypertrophy or, or muscle building as well. So after they've done like the, the main thing, which is, you know, the biggest impact on muscle gain is actually progressive overload, lifting more weight over time, doing more reps. But after, you know, they've tired themselves out, but they can still use heavier, lighter weights for higher reps and just completely just like use every muscle fiber in their body and get a pump as well. So it's um, kind of like, you know, the sprinkles on top of the cake, you know, at the end, um, it's that's, you can still get big with light weights and high reps, but it's not as optimal and the easiest approach to get there. It's a little bit of a longer path, but you have to do so many reps to tire that muscle out. So, um, so what is the magic number? What do you give Jenna then? Is it eight? Is it 12? Is it 10? Cause I always try to get to 12 and by my 12th, I'm like, can't do it and i feel like that's good but maybe my brother tells oh, the me the number of reps yeah my brother's like no you got to go down to seven or eight exhaustion uh so the magic number is anywhere between six to twelve for most people some people will be outliers and if you look at like a, on a bell curve for example right or a, a curve why why do we call it a bell curve? <laughs> it might be a bell curve because we're sick of hearing about curves right <laughs> The people that fall within that curve or under that curve, most people will be fine. Like we'll get the best benefits from between that six to 12 rep range. There'll be people that will fall a little bit outside of that, that will benefit from like the higher rep ranges. But um, yeah, like there is no set magic rep. So we, we play around with that rep range of between eight to 12 most of the time, like 70% of the time. Research shows like you want to spend 70% of your time for muscle building purposes in that in that, in that, in that space and the other 30%, you know, lower, lower, lower reps, higher weight to build, work on your strength and a little bit sprinkling out in that 15 to 20 rep range or more. So, so if my goal is to, and I don't want to give away all your secrets because people should sign up, but if my goal is no, to grow muscle, higher weight, lower rep, that is, so maybe I should reduce it from 12. Well, yeah, I mean, 12 is probably like, you know, most 70% of the time I wouldn't go higher than 12. So this is what you would do. You do something called a, you know, this is a progression model that works well for almost everyone. So if you have like a rep range that you work with, and if it says eight to 12 in your program for the, for like, I don't know, the bench press, for example, and you can do hundred pounds for 12 reps. Once you get to that 12th rep, uh, you can do 12 reps of that hundred, increase that weight to 110, for example, and then drop down to eight reps, work your way back up there, oh. and then you drop back down so that you're changing one variable at a time. Wow. Top end, increase the weight, drop back down and then work your way up. And it's a really methodical way of just increasing your strength over time. Strength, the stronger you get over time, you're going to build more muscle over time. And, you know, it's good to just know like how much your, your, your potential is. And for most guys, you know, if you do everything right, eat right, train right in your lifetime, you can build anywhere between 30 to 35 pounds of muscle for most guys. And, you know, so like there, it's this is over a lifetime. So, um, yeah, just a lot of potential. If, if you've just started right now, like in the last year, I guess it sounds like, I guess, but you have like a lot of room for improvement still. So like, don't like look at the other guys and be like, holy shit. Like if most of the time, either these guys were like, just the, remember the, the Jack guys in like high school, like the 16, 17 year olds who were like the massive big guys. Like you look at the rock, like the pictures of him in high school. So the guy's like <laughs> massive. Like he's bigger than most guys now. Either they were those genetic freaks when they were younger, or they've just been at this a long time. Yeah, you can't compare yourself to others. Yeah. Everyone's different. Point. Everyone's different. And if you do choose to have Kia become your coach, she has an incredible app that you actually can keep track of how many reps you've done, 
and it has videos if you don't understand the workout. It's I love the app. It even has now, like I set a timer to rest in between. You can communicate directly with you. And that one's really good. And that's how I learned to like adjust my weights the amount and the reps was by using your app all the time and awesome. knowing what the last one I, I did was, you know, and, and trying to build off that. So yeah. Well, thank you. And for- stay tuned for Jenna's bikini photo shoot. Yeah. No, uh, no, now no. she's got no excuse. We put her trainer on my her. broken leg. Oh, right, right. <laughs> okay. Christmas, Christmas, slutty Christmas <laughs> shoot. <laughs> Kia Kadem Fitness, you know what you're talking about. I really appreciate all of this info. And what is your website if people want to find you? Yeah, kiakadem.com. So probably no one's going to know how to spell that. So Go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, no. I mean, I want to spell it out. No, we're going to spell it in the caption of this episode. Yeah, don't, don't worry. worry. <laughs> honestly, if anyone has trouble finding you, just DM me and I will direct you in that direction yeah there you go people work with jenna mo's actual trainer Woo! there's an incentive (laughs) (laughs) thank you kia i feel like we should be cheering cheering uh carrots and yeah i I don't want him to see that we're cheering whatever he said it's okay this is this is is what life is about you know talking about it's over wine yeah (laughs) (laughs) awesome thank you so much and uh yeah Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Bye.